As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to another edition of Copa with Felipe Cardenas. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Michele Giannone, Univision and 2DN sideline reporter. He is also an MLS and U.S. men's national team insider, even if he doesn't think he is. He is now. Uh, Michele, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? ¿Qué, qué pasa? ¿Esto no es en español? No, no es en español, hermano. Lo vamos a hacer en inglés. Uf. Okay, okay. What's up, Felipe? Thank you for having me. Copa, What's man. Up? What a name. <laughs> what a name. Who did it who didn't work the Copa Mundial growing up as as their favorite shoe playing it's soccer, still, right? It's still my favorite shoe. It's still oh the shoe God. that I own. It's still the one the only one I wear. It's the I best. switch I switch to a, to the Predators after oh, yeah, yeah, after yeah, a while, yeah. yeah. I had and, one Predator in college. It was it was a great shoe, but like even even while I was wearing it, I, I knew that the Copa was my my first love. No, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I I, I that's did you even play soccer if you didn't wear Copas? Yeah, I mean, and a, a quick Copa Mundial story. Those shoes, like, I had to beg my mom for them. They were expensive. They were like yeah. $90 in the 90s, you know? Yeah. like, uh, And my dad didn't want to get them for me. He was like, you can keep wearing your Patrick's. Remember the Patrick <laughs> brand? They're like $45. Yeah. And my mom, like, snuck it and, like, went and bought me the Copas. And I had to hide them from my dad for, like, a week until... He got over it, so yeah. I love that. Love that. No, thanks. Thanks for having me, man. It's it's an honor to be here. Like I was like, what? Um, you've had like um, Stu Holden last time. Andres Cantor. Andres Cantor. Then, Peter then. Drury. I'm not. I'm not on that level, man. What are you doing? <laughs> no, but you offer so much more than them. That's why we're on the show. You know why? Because you have opinions. You have good takes. And if you don't follow Michele on Twitter, find him, Michele Gino, on, on Twitter. He doesn't hold back. He never holds back. And, and that's why he's so good at what he does. Um, <laughs> but this is what we're going to cover today. Um, a, lot of, a big focus on MLS playoffs. Yeah. That's where we are. We're, we're into the quarterfinals in both conferences. There's a huge, huge game tomorrow. El Trafico, LA yeah. Galaxy, LAFC. Uh, and then we're going to go one by one in the remaining games. We're going to talk the U.S. men's national team. The roster drop. We're now less than a month away from that. 
uh, plenty about Mexico, what's happening with them. A lot of concerns there as they head to Qatar as well. Uh, and I want to actually ask you, we always do five questions. We do five spot kicks. Like we do a five spot kick question <laughs> with, with the guest. But before we get to that, I would love to just talk to you about the art of the sideline reporter. Sideline reporter, like what is that like? So we'll do that later on in the show. So uh, let's start with the with the big game tomorrow, Thursday, LAFC, El Trafico. Like what are your initial thoughts? Because I'll tell you what I feel. It's yeah. always a big game. You know, MLS loves it. It's the big showcase game. But I feel like it's missing something. Is, is there still enough star power between these two clubs to really draw a big audience, in your opinion? I mean, it depends which market are you asking. In Mexico, they're all over the game. Um, mm. I've been covering today. Galaxy had their media availability. Yesterday, LAFC media availability. And, you know, with Univision and TUDN, every time Carlos Vela, and he spoke yesterday, Chicharito, Alan Pulido, Hector Herrera speak, we, <laughs> I always, yeah, you're I, you're, we bow, right? That's <laughs> what people want to um, wanna hear. And we got to remember that in 2019, the last time they they met in the playoffs, the last time the Galaxy was in the playoffs. Uh, LAFC won 5-3, incredible game. Like LAFC, the, the traffic, I remember something that Chiellini told me when I interviewed him when, when he got here. It's like, when I see those games, it's like, I wonder, do you guys defend in this league? <laughs> it's like, what is, no, what is no happening? one defends. No, no one defends. El Trafico has like a four-goal average per match. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So you had Vela, peak Vela, MVP Vela against Slatan. So worldwide, obviously, Slatan brings more attention, right? Yeah. But here, especially, well, I'm based in San Diego, LA. Um, you can feel it, man. It's yeah. it's it's here and in Mexico, especially because we're we're like doing stuff and interviews and features for the game. Even even if we don't carry it, we work closely with MLS in Spanish, and you can feel it. It every time, especially Vela Chicharito, meet up. It's unbelievable, especially with all the and you and you know this, Felipe, with Mexico. Like the, last week, um, my colleague Gibran Araige, with with the news that Chicharito wasn't in the yeah. in the in the last fifty-five man roster pre-roster that Tata gave. So, so it was funny because Chicharito and Vela draw that type of attention. Yeah. The news wasn't that oh Tata gave the roster. It's like Chicharito not is not it. in the roster. It's not about who was in the roster. It yeah. was about that Chicharito was not it. And it's but it's like it just made it official because we yeah. we all knew we knew like even Tata was, was especially clear. with you we thought yeah. about this like listen like, Chicharito is not going Vela is not, not going. going yeah I, I I like you've been on that battle on on social media oh my gosh. Like, people stop asking because well let's let's happen. let's get let's get to Vela because I yeah. you I thought you probably thought that tweet that I sent a couple of weeks ago I was like all right like it's official now let's talk about Carlos Vela because a lot of he's still mentioned. To this day, J- yeah. Jared Borghetti was giving an interview yesterday and he was like, we need Carlos Vela. We need Chicharito. Okay, Carlos Vela told Tata Martino in 2019, like Tata Martino got the job. Okay, he got he, we knew he was getting the job in December of 2018. He wins MLS Cup with Atlanta. Weeks, like three, four weeks later, January 2019, he's introduced as a Mexico team manager. This is known, but even I have a source who told me the first person he called the first person he called was Carlos Vela, Tata yep. Martino. He's like, I'm coming to L.A., let's meet. And there's a picture, you can find it, a paparazzi picture of them having coffee in L.A. And Carlos Vela told, told Tata Martino, like, I don't want to play for Mexico anymore. 
Yes. That's it. Like he just, he was yeah. not like he doesn't love his country or he doesn't love his national team. He was just, yeah, I'm in another place. Uh, I've talked to other people that have told me like, no, Carlos just doesn't want to do the travel. Doesn't yeah. want to go to all these games. Doesn't want to do the, the U S tours. Uh, someone told me that like, you know, in, in LAFC, he does a back heel and the stadium stands up and applauds him. If he does a back heel for the yeah. Mexico national team, people are like, what are you doing? You know, they'll yeah. whistle him and say, play, you know, get serious. Yeah. So that that's where his mentality is. And he, he was done three years ago. You know, the Chicharito is a different story, but it was, it's interesting how now it's official and we're still talking about it. Yeah. It's sometimes I get like you desperate, like <laughs> how many, how many, how many, and, and this is not like people going on rumors or sources. This is the player I've been like, like you said, since 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Now, he has said on the record, on camera, several times, several times, I'm not interested in playing with the national team anymore. I want the young, the young generation and the young yeah. players to get the opportunity. My time is done. Yeah. And we're still November, <laughs> October 2022. It's like, oh, now it's official. Like, oh my God. It's, yeah. He, but, he but, passed the torch. He passed the torch. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it was the best way to do it yeah. because he still can play at that level. And it's oh, like, you know, oh, it's not like someone's replacing him. It's not like there's yeah. a player that just came in and said, hey, fine, we've got this guy, Carlos Vela, we don't need you. It's like, they need him. If Carlos Vela calls Tata Martino tomorrow and said, I changed my mind, he's That's, a starter yeah. in the first Mexico game <laughs> yeah, in yeah. Qatar. And yeah, yeah. The, and, and we got to remember the, 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 the story with, with Vela and the national team. Like, he, he was a world champion with 2017, that, that, um, with Gio dos Santos, that yep. that generation, right? And then they had this big mess with when when the, I think the team that was going to the 2010 World Cup had the issues with they they put a bunch of they they brought yeah, a bunch parties. of women they, they, parties they yeah, with, was, with women in the hotel, yeah. and the big time guys used the young guys as well as scapegoats, right? Yeah, yep. and Vela from that time said, you know what? I don't want to deal with this mm -hmm. bleep anymore. So that's why he went away. And then several years tried to convince him to come back. Um, he was bowling in Spain with Real Sociedad. Um, and after the World Cup 2014, he came back. Yeah, he, he essentially played. retired. He, he almost like yeah. retired, basically. Yeah, yeah and, and, and we're talking, that was his prime years. Yeah. And then he came back, he played in the 2018 World Cup, and he said, I, I played a World Cup. We tried, we did a good, like, you remember that Mexico beat Germany. Yep. Then, well, it happened with, you know, with South Korea, with Sweden, then taken out with Brazil, but they did a good job. I mean, it was a team that, that first game against, against Germany with the Chucky Lozano goal yeah, was, it was great. We still it was like, it. Vela wasn't great in that was, World Cup. No, but no. again, you know, he, but he was a starter. He was a starter. Yeah, and, he he, a starter. and he said, you know what? I play my World Cup. I, I'm done with the national team. And he's, like you said, he's king in LA. Look, since LAFC came into, into town, he was their first signing, their first DP, um, MVP 2019. He's still in the conversation of the best talent, more talented, the best player in the league. Obviously, he's not the same as 2019, 2020, you know, age, yeah. injuries, whatever. But like you said, when you go to an LAFC game in person, like every touch every time he touches the ball you can feel the stadium just starts to roar like uh -huh. people are expecting something special every time he touches the ball and 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 he still delivers 
Yeah, he, like, like, he does. He does. He does. Yeah, I mean, and he, and 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 that's and that's what I think that this game still has star power. And it's the first time that Vela and Chicharito face each other in this type of of games. It's true. It's true. And and that's that's what is exciting about. And and I'm very pumped about this game. I think it's more, um, more. It's more. Um, how how do you say it? Um, it's very it, difficult to 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 get a to predict. What's yeah, going to yeah, happen? Yeah, yeah, First sure. team will will go default by oh LAFC's at home, support shield leaders, but I it, I think it's going to be a very very tight game and and so and you know I'm what's interesting flip flop, flopping yeah I mean I it. still I I have my reservations I agree like you've convinced me though you've convinced me that there's still star power I coming into this interview and I I was on a Bobby Warshaw he's doing like a, a stream during the playoffs and we had a big talk yeah. about this like yeah. you know, what, what's going on with El Tráfico is it still have the same you know, pizzazz as last time uh, when Slotson was here. It's really tough. You can't replace Slotson. You just can't. No, but no. Uh, it, it, I, something tactically that I think will be interesting because you're right. It averages like four goals. They don't do a lot of defending. <laughs> I talked to somebody yesterday who's going to be pretty important in this game, Ricky Pooj. I, ha- I had a one on one with him. The story nice. should be out. By the time you hear this, the story should be up. But he described the game as two teams with similar philosophies, and it's going to come down to who keeps the ball more, yeah. you know, like, and, and it sounds really simple, uh, yeah. but y- you don't really expect that from the galaxy. And I think now they're becoming a team that like wants the ball. They yeah. want, they want to control, they want to touch it. They want to, con- they want to do tiki taka around the midfield. They've got a player that can, can open you up and unlock you. Their spine is a lot better. So suddenly I was like, okay, maybe th- this game is more intriguing than I thought it would be. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And also, yeah, going back to, to, to a slap and, Every time there was a traffico with Slatan, Slatan will talk trash. Right? Yeah, exactly. We'll talk smack. There's Vela. headlines. Headlines. Vela, yeah. Headlines. Vela will reply. Now Vela and Chicharito are very good friends. Yeah. So yeah. it's a lot of respectful. Vela gets asked about Chicharito, and he's very respectful. Chicharito the same way. So there's not that that you know that we need that though. Don't yeah, we think? need that thought for the for the headlines for the for the for you know for for the storylines. Yeah. But um, I will say yes, and and that was the the, the main story with and. I know Ricky Puch takes all the eyes and people yeah. are, it's, it's this shiny object, right? Mm-hmm. But what Galaxy did, the signing that I think has been more important is Gaston Brookman. Like him, him has given the ability playing that single pivot that Vani wanted for a long time because they didn't have that player. Not with Raveloson, not with, with even with Mark Delgado. Yep. He, no, they were not pure sixes. They were playing like with the double pivot. Now with Brookman, him playing that, and, and since he got here, I think he's the best six in the league and all the numbers back up and, and the results, etc. He gives the work that he does defensively, gives freedom to Pooch to drop back, take the ball, do whatever, what, what he does, moving between lines, mm-hmm. move forward, uh, progress the ball. Marc Delgado has more freedom. So yes. he can, he, he's been overlapping, for example, with Julian Araujo a lot mm-hmm. or with Sam Grancier or Douglas Costa, whoever. If, if you see if you see the 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 goal that they scored against Nashville, so it's a broken play, and and then and then you have Douglas Costa that ends up in the same in the in the same side of the field as Grancier, and Julian Araujo just has a lot of awareness where to go, yeah. and he okay he attacked the 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 the, the, the puck of space empty on the other side. Mm-hmm. So now the team is moving more freely, yeah. having that having that number six that 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 person in the midfield that can help 
and cover those those spaces that they didn't have that. And we no. know Vani Vani wants to play high ball possession, yeah. having the ball. Vani ball. But Vani ball exactly. Yeah. And he just he didn't have the players. No, he wasn't getting anything from the wingers with Douglas Costa with Cabral. Mm. And now he has the players, and the team is balling. Yeah, that team a is a better. joy to watch. It's funny because it's not a comparison. It is not a comparison, but you know, Gaston Brugman is like the Busquets. He is like the Busquets yeah. player yes. within this system. And and I think that it, again, the other day when uh, Ricky Puj was talking during his media availability, he said he was asked like, "Which who's you, who are you closest with on this team?" And uh, he mentioned Gaston Brugman. He's like, right away, we just clicked. You know, he's been great to me. They're yeah. friends. They're very close. And what I asked him, what he told me is that the, the, they're very similar players, he said. And it's not as far as profile. But he said, we both come from European football. Like, he's Uruguayan, but he played in Serie A for a long time. Yeah. And he's like, we, they, he just knows how to play. You know, and he's, he's allowed, you mentioned it, he allowed Marky Delgado to be the player that's finding the space, like yeah. the space finder. Uh, and it's really interesting, like how Greg Vanny in the same interview during the media availability admitted that he's a Barcelona fan. Um, so it's like th- they're trying to emulate something here. They're finding the pieces. And if they can do that against LAFC, man, that'll be interesting if they could keep the ball and make LAFC chase instead of vice versa. Yeah, because and, and, and that's the key. That's yeah. the key. If, if you want to beat Galaxy, you got to take the ball away from them because they're very fragile in defensive transition, their center backs are not fast. Uh, yeah. Their full backs are not. Araujo and, and Edwards are not the best defensively. If, even Araujo has done a better job. Um, he has gone got better at the, at the at the beginning of the season. Both Araujo and Edwards were suffering a lot. If you see the Nashville game, Nashville tried, especially on the right side with with Shaq Moore, to try yeah, to beat the, the space behind mm-hmm. Edwards because he he goes forward a lot so and the key of course because they can they can dominate ball possession with Puch, with Rukman, with Marquis Delgado that gives freedom to Edwards and Araujo mm-hmm. but if you lose yeah it's the tough. ball and Cáceres El- and yeah Cáceres I mean, and Koulibaly are not fast no no and with LAFC with Vela with Buanga now with mm. Chicho Cifuentes Kelly Acosta fast players in, in, in offensive transitions, they're going to make you pay. So as a team, as, as the way that the team is playing, I like the Galaxy more, not in talent, not in talent, just the way the team is, yeah. has it as a cohesive yep. unit right now. Yeah. Um, but this series, is, and if you go you in the history, and playing at home has been huge, right? Normally the... the the team that plays at home has the advantage. And Banco California is a great atmosphere, etc. But I do worry with the LAFC, Felipe, that this team was flying. Uh, it was a well-old machine. Cherondolo had his starting 11. And they, all these changes started to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they brought Bale. They brought Kelini, they, they shipped Brian Rodriguez. They brought Buanga. They brought Tello. And in the case of Tello and Buanga, they just came in too late. Yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah. Bale... Is not what everybody was expecting. No, he's not. He's not. Someone he, I remember I was telling the, uh, Bobby Warshaw the other day. So I remember when he was signed on Twitter, someone wrote like he's going to tear up the league. And I'm like, yep. no, he's not. That's not. That's not what he can do, and that's not why he was signed. Yes. So what are you so, getting from Gareth? What you're getting and what you're going to get on 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 the playoffs, as long as LAFC can move forward, is just a guy that's going to come off the bench for the last 30 minutes, 20 minutes uh, in Spanish, being that revulsivo, no, trying yep. to change the game if you need it. 
Um, so basically, Sherondolo, of course, when you have Carlos, eh, eh, Gareth Bale, you got to try and force him in the starting lineup. But there's also another problem. Him and Vela cannot play together <laughs> because they're both cannot defend. Yeah. So you need in the, in his system you need wingers that can drop and defend like Buanga. Even they asked Chicharango to defend. That's something yeah, that can. the Colombian was struggling at the beginning of the yep. season to defend. And and he's been on the record saying I struggle. He wasn't starting at the beginning of the season because yeah. he wasn't defending and doing the things in build up that Cherondolo wants him from uh, wanted from him. So um, for the last three games of the season, finally Cherondolo. I, I, I guess he found his starting eleven with Buanga, Arango, and Vela, but I don't know if it's enough time, you know, to to have the team playing the way he wants and the way he had this team playing before the summer. Yeah, that's why that's why I that's why I struggle to find who can win who can win this game, even even though they're the local team. So last one on LAFC and Trafico, and this is sort of a. a the type of question I'll ask you in the spot kick, but let's let's just ask you one of these now. If LAFC doesn't win this game, obviously, but let's say they don't win MLS Cup, is it a failure? Is it a, yes. is that sort of is it? Yeah, complete complete collapse failure. Like the supported shields and Carlos Vela said it. If Carlos Vela said it, and, I, okay. and I'm gonna and I'm gonna said something that also Ilya Sanchez told me. Inside that group, Ilya Sanchez told me this. Inside that group, we have two leaders, and we follow those two leaders. Steve Cherondolo and Carlos Vela. What they say, we follow. And Carlos Vela said, the supporters' shields doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's a trophy. <laughs> it's, it's, we were the best team uh, during the regular season, but we did that in 2019. And what happened? We yeah. got bounced out by yeah. Seattle. And especially, especially, Felipe, if it's the galaxy that Oof. takes you out. Oof. Because what I remember in, I think it was May, the Galaxy took them out of the U.S. Open Cup. And that yeah. was a huge deal. I remember their fan base did a protest on the next <laughs> LAFC home game. It. They, didn't, they didn't show up for the first half. I was oh there. It was goodness. weird. It's like, we're tired of losing the big-time games. Yeah. And we're tired to losing a, 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 against the Galaxy. And because Galaxy also won the first game of MLS regular season. So it was like the second defeat in a row in a question of like three weeks. And I will... Yeah, this team is built. When you bring Giorgio Chiellini, Gareth Bale, and you do everything that you've, you've done, you've got to win. You've got to win it. MLS Cup or bust. Yeah, and they're on the record saying that, and it's it's that. It getting to MLS Cup, and even if you lose in PKs, bust. Oof. All right, there you go. There you go. All right, uh, let's go through the other. We're going to do like a quick, I'll just ask you for your prediction and, and, and a few thoughts. But yes, sir. I, I actually like every game now. I think we're now we're in the yes. part of the MLS playoffs where if you don't watch MLS a lot and you just tune into the playoffs, every matchup is good. Everyone is good, and yes. especially this next one, Philadelphia Union, FC Cincinnati. We You mentioned it about storylines. We love storylines. Uh, if you haven't caught the latest allocation disorder with Paul Tenorio and Sam Stagecall, you know, Paul said something that, you know, we, we're all craving it. It's, a, it's something that we don't get enough of in MLS. And this game, you know, we have former players playing against each other, former coaches, teammates on the sidelines. What do you like about Union Cincinnati and who are you taking? I just, I just like the matchup. Uh, we're talking a historic defense. They allowed 26 goals, 24, 26 goals in 34 games. I think it was on average, the best or the second best defense in MLS history. And now officially, Andre Blake, goalkeeper of the year, 
Yes. It's his third goalkeeper of the year trophy. And Jacob Glesnes yes. earns defender of the year for the Philadelphia yeah. Union. And you could have taken any. I yeah, voted for Kai Wagner. I, Kai Wagner as defender of the year. That's my vote. Um, you could have voted for Jack Elliott too. Because yeah. It would have been a valid vote. Um, I know it's a diff- I know it's an impossible conversation with Ander Blake because we are gonna remember Tony Miola won an MVP, yeah. but I think Blake is reaching that point of he has to be in the discussion of best goalkeeper of all time on Major sure. League Soccer with Rimando with with Meola. Um, and <laughs> before going into that game, I remember I said I'm happy that on the first round we're getting rid of the teams that like to play. Park Defense, the bus, yeah, 0-0. Orlando, get out of here. <laughs> Nashville, get out of here with your 30 possession. Like, they have Hani Mukhtar, and they're, like, one of the lowest possession yeah. teams on the league. Um, was Real Salt Lake, even though they they, they But you know you're it. getting that. You know you're getting that. You know that you're getting that them. with Mastroeni. Yeah. It's like, now, every team that's left in the playoffs are teams that want to have the ball yeah. and want to attack. So, what I love, and then you have that defense with Philadelphia, and then you have this... Uh, this trio of Cincinnati up front with Brandon Vasquez, Lucho, and, and Brenner, right. yeah. they scored between the three 50 goals already in 2022. Oof. 50 goals on the, between the regular season and, and, and the first game against Red Bulls where, where Acosta and Vasquez scored. So I'm very excited. I think, man, beating Philly at home, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. But Cincinnati, it's a powerhouse up front. So they can do damage. Now, Cincinnati is also fragile on defense. Yep. So I think Young goalkeeper too. Really young goalkeeper. Yes. That's not the starter. He's not the starting goalkeeper. Exactly. So I think I got to... I really like Cincinnati. I will be... I will love if they reach MLS Cup because that's a a team that can put three, four, five goals on anyone on a given day. And that's fun soccer to watch, right? That chaos. But it has to be Philadelphia. Um, I spoke okay. with Andrew Blake on the on MLS All-Star, and they said what happened last year. Remember what happened last year? Yeah. They got that massive COVID outbreak mm-hmm. before playing New York City FC. They lost, I think, Kai Wagner, um, Blake. They, Bedoya. Uh, Bedoya. Bedoya yep. They lost half, half the starting team. Yeah. And they say that hurt. We're playing with that chip on our shoulder. And, and for us, this is Blake saying it. He told me that on record. This year, it's MLS Copper boss for us especially for what happened last year. And I think they're even this year, they're even a better team than that. Yeah. So it's scary. See, so, yeah. I love that attitude. And, and okay, yeah. if you didn't see what I tweeted the other day about Minnesota United, it became a thing on Twitter. I loved it. I loved it because I said six years in a row, Minnesota United went again underwhelmed. And, yeah. you know, a, a lot of there are a lot of arguments that say, well, no, they're not supposed to be overwhelming. This is the type of team they are. They don't spend enough and da, da, da. Philadelphia doesn't they, don't they spend probably less and you've got a guy saying if we don't win MLS Cup it's a failure I, yeah. I just cannot stand MLS teams that say we're okay being here we're fine being average or maybe above average that's cool. do, do you remember the 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 spending article the spending article yeah. that Sam did with Philadelphia yeah. as a franchise they <laughs> they spent less than 11 million dollars yeah as a franchise yeah I mean think of Atlanta United they spent that on one player like yeah. full, multiple times. Yeah. So um, I love that attitude. I yeah. love that they're playing with the chip on the shoulder, that they think that they haven't achieved anything. Um, we remember that they also mm-hmm. won. Well, uh, they, they also were the best team on, on 2020. Um, 
Um, I saw them also playing. That Philadelphia team was really fun on the bubble with Brendan Aronson. That was his explosion yep. with yep. with McKenzie. That was a super fun team. They've been great on 2020, 2021, 2022, and they're due for MLS Cup already. And, and, and yeah, I love that attitude, that mix of veteran players with these super youngsters with like El Jack, <clears throat> McLean. Yes, good player. Uh, the Pax and Aronson. Gazdag is like. I love what Gazdag yeah, said yesterday. That he, he said that I'm pissed <laughs> when I saw that I wasn't on the five finalists for MVP. And wow. he should be pissed. He should be. Right? He should. He's in my. I put him in my best eleven. Like he was a no-brainer yeah. best eleven for me. Yeah. But I, I, he should have been. You know, and it's it's so hard. It's so hard picking the MVP and coach yeah. of the year. I mean, I I voted for Oof. Jim Curtin because I just feel like he. Yeah. I I know maybe it's an easy pick, but it's now successive years that you know what this team is doing. They get better. Uh, I love to watch a team that you can tell is playing for the badge, playing for the shirt and playing for their coach. They're a reflection of this guy. Like I know he is a very great interview and he like, he's, he's great with media. He's a really nice guy, but there's another side to Jim Curtin and and that's how that team plays. And that's why I'm so impressed with them. I also have them beating FC Cincinnati. It would be great to see Cincinnati continue. It'd be a great story. Uh, Next one, CF Montreal, another big, uh, candidate for coach of the year, Wilfred Nancy against the defending champions, NYCFC, who I believe, you know, I saw them in person a couple of weeks ago here in Atlanta. They were playing in third gear. They were playing in third gear and they still looked just dominant, really good, really calm. They've yep. got the way Bobby Warshaw described it the other day is like, they just built this team with like three center backs that are pretty good. And then seven ballers. Just yeah. seven ballers in front of them. And yeah. that's who they are. They've got a yeah. couple good players in Rodriguez, uh, Pereira, yeah. Maxi Morales playing out of his mind still. So this is a tough one. Who do you got? This is my my most difficult to predict because um, I had the opportunity to be at uh, the broadcast for the Campeones Cup uh, when New York City FC beat Atlas. Yep. And that day, it was like a flip, like a switch just flipped. They weren't doing great. No. Um, they lost Ronnie Delia. They lost Tati. And after they lost Tati, they they couldn't win. For it was a ten game winning without a win. Right. Ten game without a win. Um, they were struggling to find a Tati substitute, which is normal. I mean, yeah. you're you're taking out your coach and you're taking out the best player on MLS, uh, the Golden Boot, etc. They had him though. They Eber just he's just coming back from a big injury. Right. Like, exactly. That's a so good they, player. They, they tried Thales Magno, and he's yeah. not a nine. He's a winger. No. And I was talking with David Gass the other day, and I, I, Matt Doyle also mentioned this, that I believe that the Thales Magno injury mm. is a blessing in disguise oh. because now they, they are forced to play ever as a number nine, and the team just functions better. And Collins. I yeah, he's my love, defender of the year. I love that dude. He's, he's the good. best defender in MLS. Period, full stop. And he's been playing as a left third center back, as a left back, as, as a left back, as a center back. He attacks. He attacks. He's, yeah. he, he, can, he can crash the box as a number nine. Yeah. He's a great guy all around also. So that night beating Atlas, and they pounded Atlas. Like it was, there was no... They're not team. They're not. They, they, yeah, they, were, they knew yeah, that they were losing agree. their coach. And... I agree, but... But still, still, New York was doing awful. Yeah, yeah, awful. True. And 
Keaton Parks returning, it's a huge deal. Yes. Like Keaton Parks is that guy that playing with whoever you want to play in the midfield. With he's Acevedo. the Brugman. He's the Gaston Brugman of NYC. He's the, he's the Darlington Nagby. Like it's impossible to take the ball out, out from him. Um, so that Keaton Parks with Acevedo gives Maxi Morales that freedom. Because yeah. during th that weird stretch with injuries and Tati leaving and Delia, like they were forced on a couple of games to play Maxi as a six. Hmm. Which was a disaster. Do it doesn't do work. That. That's not, no. that you can't do that. So, um, I really like New York City FC. They, they were my pick to get to the MLS Cup. LAFC against uh, New York City FC was was my pick uh, for MLS Cup. But, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm picking Montreal, but I'm, I'm I, I just I, I've fallen in love with the Montreal story. Yeah, um, it's great. They they play amazing. Corne, it's. It's a baller. Like, yeah. what, what, what are you talking about? Get, what, get, what, get, get out go. of MLS. Get, get out of MLS, exactly. <laughs> Please go. go to Europe to a, to a big team on a, on, a, on a power, on a top five league in the world. And Mihailovic. And, man, yeah, I know we're going to talk about a USMNT, but I just, every time I watch him play, I get bothered. And <laughs> I think I'm, I, I get angry every time I watch him play. And it's like, how is this dude not even in the run anymore to make the team? H how does this happen? Yeah. He's, he's balling. He had the injury in the summer that he got called up for the June, and, yeah. and for the June games. And he got injured that weekend. And he just – he couldn't back, get back on the team. Um, but this team – this is a team to like, like Philly. Uh, it's a joy to watch play. They are. Right? They're good. Um, although – the problem with them is that their starting lineup is very good, but I think they do lack the depth. Yeah, if you can take Montreal deep into a ninety-minute game and yeah. tied and like force Nancy to make changes and look at his bench and change things, yeah, you're right. And their soccer isn't sexy. It's just very, it's very modern though. It's just like it's it's occupying space. It's positional. Yeah. Uh, they're very confident on the ball. They're very confident defending. They force you to do things that you probably did not want to do. And it's very subtle in the way they do it. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like you're down and you're, you're forced. And they're fine defending a one goal lead or a two goal lead. I agree. Mihailovic, we're going to talk about him. I don't want to like spoil it, but I just believe that the U.S. doesn't have another player like him. It's not like he's not in the team because, oh, you know, there's a like for like. Yes, I understand that like McKenney or Reyna, uh, can play in the same sort of position as him, but he has a different style. He just has like a, more of a European profile, like skill set uh, as an eight or as a 10 that you I know? think really is really nice. That, and, and he's really good on the ball. And like, he, I don't know, it would be, a, it would be a big shock. I think if he's not in Qatar, I mean, maybe not, but you know, you know who reminds me him of Thomas Mueller. Like, yeah, yeah, can you tell yeah. me, can you tell me what position on the field Mueller plays? No, he's everywhere. He's, he's just the Joker. He's, he's the Joker. He's, exactly, he's everywhere. Yeah. So when you see Montreal and you see Mihalovic, he's crushing the box. He's playing as an eight. He drops back. He then appears as a ten. He then as a, appears as a winger. So you you exactly don't know what his position is, yeah. and 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 how his position is just is just fluid depending of, of, of how the game is going, but he's always there in the right position, finding the right lines, finding the right spaces. And 
the U.S. seventeen doesn't have a player like that. No, that's they what I'm don't. Saying. They just they don't. don't. They don't. And I don't think he's an intense player. Maybe that's the no. the, the the ding on Georgi Mihailovic that he's not like his intensity isn't like that's not how he's defined. Yes, but you know he's very cool on the ball. I think that the, the Dutch league is going to be perfect for him. Yeah, uh, and, and you're right. Like he, he's not it, it fixed in a position. You know, you can play him around in the midfield and just ask him to dictate and control. Yeah, and he's very like he, he takes risks too on the ball, like which is great to see. So, uh, all right, we're gonna get back to that, but let's let's end on this last MLS pick, the Texas Clasico, Austin FC. Everyone's <laughs> darling, everyone's darling. Even though they don't, they think we don't believe in them. Uh, and yeah. FC Dallas, <laughs> FC Dallas, who comes out of a shootout win over Minnesota United, two Panenkas from FC Dallas players, uh, Velasco, the young Argentine, big money signing for them, ends it with the Panenka, wins it for them. And now here they are facing their rival, their in-state rival. Who are you taking? Dallas. Um, and I think this, this, is the, this is the easiest pick for me. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you watch Austin, Austin is a team that struggles mightily on defensive transition. Their fullbacks are not good at defending and coming back Gallagher um, uh, Lima I'm, I'm, Lima I'm, yep. yeah and oh, whatever wh- whoever plays there their center back are, are slow and yeah they're a fantastic team on, on, on the last final third with Drusi with Fagundes with Ruti etc cetera, etc cetera. but they're very fragile on that defense when they go up when they push um, uh, lines and if you can break that double pivot that they normally play with Danny Pereira and Alex Rin, which 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 can be you broken, can break them. Yeah. But with speed, with direct balls. And that's the way Dallas plays. Hmm. Especially um with, with Arriola and Velasco on the wings. Uh, they're very fast on defensive on offensive transition. Um Pam Pomical, Sebastian Lejek, they 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 can they can just um play a long ball and, and beat your fullbacks, getting those paces um, behi- behind their, their back. And Austin is awful defending <laughs> that way. They're bad. They're really bad in the def- defensive transition. So I think Dallas, offensive transition and direct balls and trying to win those spaces uh, behind lines. Um, and they have the players to, when they get to, to, to the box and to, to that final third with Velasco, Arriola, Ferreira, they make you pay. Yeah. So I really like that when I put ev- those two things in the balance, I think, I think that's where I think Dallas can be. I think Dallas can be can p- make Austin pay more than what Austin can really? hurt Dallas. Really, I don't know if that makes sense. It does, and like I, I don't think I'm struggling here. Like I just can't. I listen. Sebastian Drusi doesn't miss. Yeah, he just doesn't miss, man. And like, even when they're not playing well and they're losing, yep. they find ways to get him in front of goal, and he can finish any way he wants. Uh, he, he's that good. So for me, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that FC Dallas and, and even Nico Estevez, just they know how to play. It's very systematic, and they're very comfortable doing it. Uh, even defensively, Dallas is probably a little sharper, uh, but it's I, I don't know if they can close down. Fagundes and and Drusi and now and Rigoni is good too. Like he's a player yeah. that's coming off the bench. Uh, he's difficult to handle. He he's but he's two footed. He can play on either wing and he just whips balls into the box and hopes that Drusi's there. And typically he is. So 
Yeah, I'm going to take Austin. I think Austin will still will, will fall short in the conference final. Mm-hmm. But it would, I think it would be a big, big upset for Dallas to win. I mean, yeah. it, maybe not because they they have the established history in the league, but everyone is expecting Austin to just kind of keep rolling. And yeah. maybe this is when it ends. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, Michele, let's move on. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the playoffs, but listen, I think if you're listening like me, like now I'm even more fired up for the MLS playoffs. Like, Good. honestly, like that's what he does. This is what Michele does. That's why I had him <laughs> on. Um, all right, let's get to U.S. and Mexico, and then we'll end with some sideline reporting uh, insights and the spot kick. Pretty quickly and just basic here. With the U.S. men's national team roster, we're less than a month away before that gets official. Uh, kickoff is November 21st for them against Whale in Qatar. Just who gets snubbed, Michele? Who do you think is going to be the big snub for the U.S.? Um, well, I, can you can you call Mihailovic a snub? Yeah, he's, sure. He's, he, he's, he hasn't been around, right? On the again, he was going to be part of the June camp, but but he hasn't been around with Berhalter much. Actually, fun fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Mihailovic scored the first Berhalter goal Ooh. era. The first uh, game that, that Berhalter played, if I'm not mistaken, against a, like a BC Paraguay side in Arizona okay. um, at the beginning of 2019. You, you might check that out. I think Mihailovic scored his first goal. Uh, I said Mihailovic, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, and, and I'm going to stick to it. I mean, I think um, I don't expect not being right about this John Brooks is not John Brooks is not going to be on that squad. Yeah. Jordan Pifok is not going to be on that squad. Oof. Brandon Vasquez sadly is not going to be on that squad. I think those I think it's pretty much set. He's taking three number nines and he's going to be Jesus Ferreira, Sargent and and Pepe. Pepe. Yep. That's my that's my opinion. I'm not this is not a reporting or anything. 
Well, the John Brooks, I've done reporting and yep. and with the PFOC too. And Haji Wright, I don't think he's in the discussion anymore. What it remind remind listeners what, what you've reported specifically about PFOC and why you think he won't be on the plane. I, I just I just think and 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 you can you guys can people can go back and watch the, the Azteca, the Mexico game. Hmm. It's not about the mess. It's not about the mess. Just the team doesn't function. He doesn't do the things that Berhalter wants from a, from a number nine. Um, he doesn't defend. He doesn't drop back. He's he's a number nine that didn't, that is just gonna be in the box, and he needs yeah. service. He's yeah. a great finisher, great finisher. Um, sadly, he missed that. I don't know if easy, but he missed that big chance in Azteca. But and go back and watch. You know the slalom that that Gio Reina does. Watch Pifok on that play. <laughs> Watch Pifok. He didn't know what to do. He didn't do. know what to do, it's true. He didn't know what to do. So, and talking with people that know the way and, and the way that the Ber, Ber, and we've seen Berhalter's system, he's just not a fit. And that's part of the, that's why I'm a little bit pessimistic about the USMNT for the mm. World Cup, because I think Berhalter is making the wrong decision of, of treating this squad as a club squad, yeah. where the system it's above the player pool. Right, yep. and and that's why John Brooks is not part of it. That's why Team Ring, Team Ring, that's a, that's gonna be a major snob. Yeah. Um, I just I just don't understand how Team Ring, it's below Aaron Long, for example. Yeah. I don't understand how a guy, a Premier also, League starter, and playing Premier, very well, playing very well. Um, and also you have twenty six spots. You yeah. need yes, some veteran true. presence true. on that. Team, I think the USMNT is going to be by average the youngest team on on, on, yeah, the, on the cup, right? So I think Team Rim is a big snob. So yeah, and, and I always go about this example, right? And Berhalter is not going to change. He's been the same uh, for his tenure. This is year 2019, 2021, 20, This is fourth year. I've been on every camp except the, the last one in Europe and the Europe, the November one in 2020. I spoke with him a lot. And he's a great guy, fantastic guy. He's not that ro- robotic figure or that people think. That people think from from the from the interviews. He's a genuine, soft speaking, lovable guy. He's always like in my experience. Ask he always asks ask me when I see him like, hey, how's the family? He will ask me stuff that I told him about years ago, and he asks, oh, how's this situation going? Yeah. Um, I you told me you were moving you were you were moving six months ago. How did the moving go? When stuff like that. He's no, thoughtful. He's, like, he's very thoughtful. But um, I don't think this team sadly is prepared for this type of competition, for this type of so- world soccer competition like we saw against Japan and we saw against uh, Saudi Arabia. And the last time they play against a, a European team in Switzerland, they got yeah, Switzerland toyed toy them. Yes. So, and it's not their fault. And if I spoken with with the with with him, with the federation, with the players, they've been like in a, in a in a lockdown by Nations League, and you've yep. been playing Concacaf ball for years now, and this team <laughs> has, hasn't been able to challenge themselves against competition like Japan. Like Japan, just that first half was like, oh my god, what is going on, and. And I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing ghosts that I saw in 2018 and 2019, where Berhalter was starting in 2019, of trying to implement his system, and the players were struggling to make the system work, yeah. right? 
Yeah. And that's where, for example, Georgi Mihailovic doesn't get doesn't get a chance. Yeah. Because in Berhalter's system, he needs to be something very specific. And Georgi, like you mentioned, is not. No. He's a no. joker. Yep. So and I and I just and and it sucks because players like Georgi, like Tim Ream, like Pifok, like Brandon Vasquez, by their talent and what they show these last months, they should be in that 26. So, but the system doesn't allow that. So, Michele, let me ask you this, because this is actually on my list of questions for you. You've just led me there. Are coaches today, are they too stubborn? Are they too stubborn in that? Because, and we could talk about Tata as well, but like, yes, there are, it's almost like there won't be surprise. Again, I'm not, I don't want to talk about all 32 teams, but there's less surprises as far as like late additions and, you know, a player that comes on strong right before the tournament. It's like, for this particular World Cup and this particular generation of coaches, like they are dead set yeah. on their players. Are they too stubborn? Yeah, and especially Tata and, and Greg. I mentioned yeah. I since the beginning of the year, I think Berhalter had 85, 90% of the roster already set since yeah. the beginning of the year. Same like, with Tata. Same with same Tata. With Tata. One or two right. guys were, were okay, maybe like maximum five guys right. battling for but you have, a sense, you have yeah. a sense who's, who's in the lead on those races, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've always been against that. Like on the national team, you cannot be that stubborn. Like let, let, let me take you to the example of Italy on the last Nations League window, this a few weeks ago. I don't like Roberto Mancini. I think that's one of he, – he was very stubborn, especially after he won the Euro and then he didn't qualify for the World Cup, trying to like do the same thing, the same thing. And teams just – Caught up. He had a couple of key injuries with um with the left. For those back that don't know, Michele is, has Italian heritage. This is I was born in Italy. Team. You yes, were born sir. in Italy, right? Yeah. There yes, you go. Sir. Uh, my dad is Italian and all my family. So what he did is like, okay, he had some key suspensions and injuries. Italy under him has always played 4-3-3. And he needed to go and win against England and win against Hungary at Hungary to access to a final four. And what he did is with three days of training, it's like, okay, this is the, the, the player pool that I have. He went and played three, five, two. Yeah. Without like, again, he went into the, the player pool that I have doesn't allow me he, to play. He the forced four, the three, system three. on the players. Yeah. And, and now, and now he allowed the players to, Okay, what system I can play with this pool that I have right now? He went three five two, he beat England, and got he it, went and it, beat it, Hungary it. in Hungary. And now yeah. Italy is in the final fourth Nations League. Yeah. And what I see with this USMNT is that there's no answer. Like Japan smack you in the face, you didn't have an answer. Yep. Then Saudi Arabia play completely different, and you couldn't break them down. Yeah. It's it's like they're stuck on, on on a gear and they don't know what to do. That's what I'm seeing that the players are struggling. To, to do on the field what Berhalter wants. Yeah, and, and, and these are the types of coaches that expect, I don't know, I remember Frank DeBoer here in Atlanta, he just expected the players to figure it out. Exactly. Like he expects yeah. you to yeah. be the one solving the problems on the field. And if the players can't do that, and the coach is stuck in his ways and doesn't have alternatives to change things, you're, get, you're gonna get what you get. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Okay, uh, let's move to Mexico. Uh, there's a big, it's crazy that this is 
the biggest story. I think there are a lot of stories in Mexico, obviously, but for me, it's the injury concerns. It's like, it's always been a problem under Tata Martino. He's had the worst luck at times. And now just a month away from the world cup, again, his starting number nine, Raul Jimenez, you know, in danger of missing the world cup. He has a groin injury. Anybody that has had a groin injury, you know how bad it is. It's not something that just like you work it out. You, it goes away. It's like, you think you've gotten past it and then you play in a game and it's back. And you're yeah. done again. So that's going to be really tough. Tecatito Corona, who they're waiting for, you know, Sevilla will not let him uh, re- do his rehab in Mexico because that's a serious fracture of an injury. But Tata Martino has been on the record saying that he's going to wait till the last minute to bring in Tecatito Corona. So with that being said, Michele, <laughs> who's going to emerge for this team in Qatar? I think it has to be well, first, Chucky Lozano. He had to be. He has to be that guy that he is at Napoli, and that he was in Russia, with that that goal against Germany, yeah. right? And I think again with the Raúl Jiménez, maybe it could be a silver lining, with um like like we we'll talk with with New York City FC, yeah. and because Raúl hasn't been the same player since no. the since the head injury, sadly. No. Before that, he was the best player in CONCACAF. He was an unbelievable killer. He was the top striker in the Premier League. You know, yeah. Not the best, but he was the top five striker in the Premier League. Absolutely. And in CONCACAF, I remember watching him play live on that uh, 2019 Gold Cup that Mexico, uh, mm-hmm. that Mexico wins the trophy, the final against. And you could see like he's above. He was above Quality. everyone Quality, on, on yeah. the field. Yeah. And maybe that gives the opportunity to Henry Martin, who's been great for America. Um, I just don't understand. Well, I, yeah, again, we're going back to the stubbornness, right? Yeah. Um, Tata is also waiting and, and stuck with Raul Funes, with, with Funes Mori. Uh, why? He's, he's not gonna even start. playing for He's going to start Monterrey. against Poland. I think he's going to start against Poland. And, and yeah, he's a guy like, he's, he's a guy that's going to be in, in the box and, and maybe he can finish. He's a great finisher. Hmm. But it's, there's so many doubts, right? Yeah. But what, what what I think is has been the biggest mistake with Tata, and I think he's fixing it, especially on the last games, it was like relying too much on Hector Herrera and Guardado. Yeah. And I yeah. think he finally flipped that page, and now it's Guti again. Chavez. It's, it's Chavez, who's yep. playing Very great. Yeah. Um, Edson Alvarez, it's the best Mexican player right now, yep. with Chucky, hands down. And, and I think Tata has that. I think the midfield at the end is going to be the key. Yeah, because at the end, what we saw in work of, work of qualifiers, if the midfield doesn't provide for the front three, then you're it's done. True. You're not going to yeah. score, right? So I think if 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 Tata doesn't make mis- the mistake of getting to the first game and say, oh, "Okay, I gotta die with my people, with Hector Herrera, with Guardado, and doing the same thing that didn't work in qualifiers," and give Chavez the ropes, give Guti the ropes, give Edson Alvarez that freedom on on midfield and that responsibility. I think Mexico could be danger. I honestly yeah. do, and they and they know how to play World Cups. No, they don't. They know how to play World Cups, and I think tactically, I've said this before, they're further ahead, in my opinion, than the U.S. Like it's Absolutely. not sexy soccer. It's not yes. like oh my god, they're playing great, but like they, you know, how they're going to play. They're very confident in the system. I remember in 2019, you mentioned it. I was at that Gold Cup as well, covering it talking to the players and they're like, this is hard. It's hard to play under Tata. Like we're still yeah. learning to take risks in the back to, you know, to be very progressive, to only play forward. 
Uh, and they've, in my opinion, evolved to become a team that's very comfortable in its own skin. They're just not, they don't have game changers. They don't have enough big time players right. that, and that's what you need at a world cup. Now going back to the midfield, I agree. I still think Guardado is going to start. I think he can. And, <laughs> no. and again, but here's why. Here's why. He can't play 90 minutes, and Tata knows yeah. it. But he can play 60. He can play 50. He can play 45. Maybe after that 45, it didn't go well. But he's the player that I think can be important, especially against Poland. And he basically told reporters this, Tata, the other day after the Columbia game. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to want to keep the ball. You know, they're, they're going to want to try to play through Poland. And, and if they can keep their intensity level up, a player like Guardalo, he can ding, he can ping you. He can ping the ball around against Colombia. If you remember, he was playing as a center back at times. He was moving yeah. back and forth. He, they, they created that back three. He's very good. He's just, if he, he can get outrun, if the, t- if the game becomes yeah. physically, exactly a, a physical battle. So yeah. And, and the, I love Luis Chavez. I, you know, I don't think he's a top, top player, but he's a different player yeah. for Mexico that they haven't had. And I, I you know, I know Tata likes him. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more high. I'm more positive towards Mexico than the USMNT. The thing is that then Mexico on the, on the second round is probably face France, France and, 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 and the U S could face a uh, very, uh, the Dutch, it's either the Dutch Ecuador, or, um, yeah, maybe Qatar. Who knows? Maybe Qatar. So pa- that Paul Tenorio already... thinks Qatar is getting out of the group, which is an interesting. I mean, the, lo- the local the team night. always the local team always get out of the group. They're right? tough. They're tough. I'm I mean, very high on South Ecuador, Africa. so I don't. I don't think. I don't think. The, I think this is the World Cup where they don't do it because that. Yeah. I mean, the. Uh, I love Ecuador. I think that's one of the dark horses to make a run into a quarterfinals. They're very defensive, though. Yeah. They're very defensive, but that's fine. Sometimes yeah. that's what you need. And I think right. going back to Mexico quickly, you know, that's how Tata Martino took Paraguay to a quarterfinal, playing defensive ball, 2-1 yeah. games, 1-0 games, almost eliminated Spain in that World Cup. And he's really focused on just solidifying Mexico defensively. You know, they're not you know strong, but they're better. You know what's funny, Felipe, that people, I don't think people realize that this is probably the, the, the weakest or, or, or the, the worst Mexico that I can remember. And they finish up top the U.S. They've, in the octagonal. We, when we had dinner in Atlanta, you told me that. And it's like, I think now Mexico, they're starting to realize they spent so much time just trying to trash Tata Martino and, and all the other headlines that they created. Why don't they call this guy? Why doesn't this yeah. guy play? And finally, there's a realization that maybe this just isn't the most talented Mexico team. Like They, they have a lot of players in Europe. Yeah, but again, collectively, and the moment of this team is a concern. Yeah, but you're right; they still finished above the U.S. <laughs> in qualifying when it was just it felt like a total, just you know, tumultuous run for them. And in the end, they did it. Uh, last question on Mexico: Should Diego Linus start? If Tecatito doesn't get there. It should be Linus, yes. Okay, because you I know mentioned he Revolsivos. You mentioned yeah, guys that come off the bench. Yeah. You know, that's but it. But if 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 Tetecatito is not there, I don't think there's another player like with the Linus ability. And I know he no, doesn't he doesn't play much on clubs. But every time he he plays a, 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 with the national team, you could you could see his his yeah. quality and and yeah, I think it's a ver- it's a curveball, right? Like managing managing and, and ask the USMNT when when he comes in uh, when he come when he came to a field on the Nations League final when he scored that goal just breaking team stream uh, I think it was team rim, these it was, ankles yeah. <laughs> those those are the types of players and plays that could 
just it's 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 a game winner. Yeah, they win you games on, on, the, on the World Cup. Cup. Yeah. That's what you need on the World Cup. I mean, you're not planning for for a 20 game season. You yeah. need you need you need be obviously be very good defensive and just have that spark, that one play offensively that can just win wins you a game. That's and Linus, I'm I'm always been a fan. Me too. And He's a good player. Sadly, I don't think he hasn't made the best decisions in his professional life. He he left America too young, too young, and everybody knew it was a mistake. But the quality is there. The yeah. quality, the quality is there for sure. I agree with you with Mexico. Like it's not the best team. I've been covering them since 2019. You've been you've been around them a lot longer than that. But you know, I've come to the realization that even though they they aren't this, they don't have this player that you think is just going to score four or five goals for them. Uh, it's it's still a manageable group. If they play, Poland is the biggest game that they've played, you know, since 2018, since the Germany game. Yeah. And it's not because it's Germany. It's because they have to win that game because they don't want to go into the Argentina game needing a win. If they beat Poland, uh, this team is going to get through. They're going to get yes. through, and yeah. then it's it's back to Mexico in the second round, and we'll see what happens. All right. Final question before we get to the spot kick with Michaela. We've gone over. I was supposed to kick him out of here 10 minutes ago, but this is what <laughs> happens. Too, It's too good. It's too good. I talk too uh, much. <laughs> um, sideline reporting. You know, I, I, I have so much respect for sideline reporters in every sport um, because it feels like no matter how much you prepare, you don't know what's going to happen in the game. You have no idea how the game is going to develop. Uh, you don't know the player that you're going to get, the state of mind he's going to be after the game. So how do you prepare? How does a sideline reporter prepare for a game, Michele? Well, with Univision, it's, and Tudian, it's different because you've seen the broadcast, right? The, the work as a sideline reporter, it's very much... You're like a third analyst. Yes, it's different as, as the U.S. broadcast, you know, mm. where the sideline reporter has just a job. Like, you know, you're going to do an interview um, pregame. You already know who you're going to interview. Halftime interview with the coach. Those are very tricky because you don't know the, the, what, like you said, what's happening, in what mood the coach is going to be. You can get nothing or you can get a great answer. Or you can get just a, like, leave me alone. And a postgame interview with the man of the match, whatever, right? With At Univision and to the end, we always do, any game, for any game, at least with Major League Soccer, we have an hour pregame show. So we do features. Uh, we got we to gotta fill that hour, right? Yeah, with interviews, yeah. with features, writing stories. So you do a lot of like interviews, um, going to sites, um, talking to people, talking to players, talking to uh, people in the front office. And so, and during the game, like you said, you're uh, on the field analyst, yeah. right? So you, I have to prepare as an analyst, like having knowledge of both teams, um, of what they like to do, where the weakness, strength. Also, you got to prepare to have um, things that people don't know, right? True. Like, like, like... Um, you have to bring something to the table, basically. Bring something to the table, exactly. Yeah. And also, you got to be aware of your surroundings, because you are the only one. My, normally, our position is right in the midfield. Mm -hmm. So I'm between the two benches. And I am the only one on the field. And I remember one of my bosses told me, we have the play-by-play -play guy. He, 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 he narrates the goal, right? Then there's the color analyst. 
that breaks down the goal. Then sometimes there's a third man in the booth yep. that also has a, an extra commentary. And then that's your turn. Like those three people already told you and we saw with our eyes on the screen, on the monitor, what happened, right? You don't need to talk about that. You need to talk what we cannot see. You are our eyes in the stadium. Sure. What happened with the benches, how the coaches reacted, how people reacted, um, how did it felt on the field, um, uh, what's happening behind you, ahead of you, uh, above you. So um, you got to be pay paying attention to that. Like when a goal gets scored, I always look at both benches real quick. Like I try to pick up something maybe in, in, in the on, on, on the in the stands to see yeah. if something happened, some type of, of celebration. Um, how's the atmosphere? So it's it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. Yes. Because again, they go to you like 20 times per half, even sometimes more of that. Um, you got to be aware who's warming up. Uh, you got to be aware that when a change is coming, how... What does it mean? What does it, yeah. how, what does it mean how the team probably is going to switch or change tactically? So it's pretty fun. I saw you when we had dinner in Atlanta, you were coming off a game yeah. and you were exhausted. You yeah. were exhausted. Like you struggled to get through talk. that dinner. I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to party. <laughs> I was like, Hey, my, I have a, I have a babysitter. Like, let's go. Yeah. And you were like, man, that was a tough night. So, so yeah, <laughs> I think the main, the main, um, the main advice that I can, that I can give to, to a person that it's wants to do this or is aspiring to do this. It's remember you are on the field and you are the eyes that see what people are not seeing from their homes because yep. from their homes, they just watch the, the TV, what the feed is, what the monitor is showing you. And, and, and you gotta be very aware of your surroundings and paint a picture of what is happening on the field because you're on the field. You're when a goal gets scored, you get the same vibes and the same reaction on the field as a player, as a bench player, because you're, you're yeah. literally stepping on that field, right? So be prepared for anything. Like you said, be prepared for having a coach that is in a bad mood, um, a know, knowing how to deal with that, yeah. knowing how to ask a question, and, and, and knowing what questions are you going to ask. Your job as a reporter is to get answers, right? So you got to ask the right questions and always be respectful, obviously. I think that's, that's, that's key. something that is implied, right? And yeah, I just... Just remember that you are in a vantage point, again, that you see what anyone's seeing. And you have that direct contact with the players and the coaches on the field. So you got to always paint that picture. And because what happened in the replay and the replays and, and, and the description of the goal. That's that, covered. That's, that's covered. covered. Yeah. That's covered with the guys in the booth. Yeah. So your job is giving that, that fourth wall breaking that four wall dimension of, of involving the, the viewership with what you experience on the field. Okay, quickly. Um, and what I is, love it. What has been the best stadium environment that you've covered as a sideline reporter? <sighs> the, final, the Seattle, the, the, the CONCACAF Champions League final. Really? Oh, my God. That, I mean, Seattle by itself, it's, it's so loud. That for, for a while with the Seahawks and, and the Sounders, they had like the record of loudest yeah. stadium I remember, Felipe, that it was so loud, even on the pregame show, that we normally, and it's mandatory, they don't like this, or bosses don't like this. When you're on the pregame show, they don't want you to use headsets when you're in the field. 
they put you like a like a, a headphones or, or earpieces mm-hmm. and a mic and a mic uh, with with the two D in it. Uh, Why don't they like the headphones? I don't know. They they like the presence with, with, with the good, microphone. It's not a good look. It's not a good look, right? Okay. Okay. You you switch to headphones to 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 headsets during the game that you're not on okay. camera. Got it. In Seattle, it was so loud that I had to wear headsets <laughs> since since our pregame show that it was two hours long. Because wow. I couldn't hear just with, with, with the earpieces. And then I did I was on the head I was on the headset for two hour pregame show and then the game starts. And I didn't realize how loud it was until like on the minute 30 or something. No, when Raul Ruiz Diaz scored a goal, yeah. I took out one of the head the the, the, the headset sides and it was like my head exploded. <laughs> wow. I because they're very like noise canceling, right? And and it was like, and I was obviously on the field and just, it's an NFL stadium, it's huge, yeah, yeah. 70,000 people. And that's when it hits you. It's like, I am here. <laughs> like what I'm doing, it's, it has a meaning and there's millions of people hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> and at the same time, it's scary, but it's exciting yeah. because, you know, when we're in this business, you're traveling a lot. You're moving 100 miles per hour. I'm traveling to Mexico to a later. I'm coming back, MLS Cup, then Qatar. You forget sometimes where you are, right? And to like, it's like, wow, like embrace it. Yeah. Like slow down, embrace it because it's exciting. Like that, I, sometimes I, I, I wish I could have go back to that day for just five minutes. Just to experience it again. Because at the moment you're so like anxious, stressed, nervous, tight because I mean, you're, it's your you're job. working. Yeah. It's you're, you're, you're working yeah. and millions of people are listening to you, right? And it's scary, but it's a huge responsibility. <laughs> and you're not enjoying it as yeah, you should, yeah, yeah. right? And I'm trying to do be, be, to be better at that. Like with MLS All Star, I try to enjoy it a little bit more, like taking my surroundings. Yep. And yes, that that game in Seattle, that final was, and every time Seattle scored a goal, that was, wow, that yeah, was that a was, huge moment for. I mean, there you go, and like, the moment it, for MLS, yeah, yeah it, was, it was, and being part of that was very special. All right, Michaela. So let's end it here. We've got the spot kick. Remember oh. the spot kick with Michaela Giannone. We have five questions. You've got to come. Hey, listen, the way you're saying, you've got to come strong with the way that you deliver your (laughs) answers. You need to know what you want here. This is like a penalty. You can't just pick a corner, Panenka, whatever it may be. Panenka, baby. I'm Panenka Panenka all day. But be sure about your answer because if not, you miss. It's a miss. All right. Oh, my God. So question number one, you kind of already answered this one, but I'm going to ask anyway. Question number one, spot kick number one with Michele Giannoni. Should Roberto Mancini lead Italy towards the 2026 World Cup? No, but he will. Why shouldn't he? Because he should have been fired when he didn't qualify for, yeah. for, for, for Qatar, even, even after winning the Euro, period, point blank. Like, that was massive failure. You couldn't – that was fireable offense, period. And, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, all right. I, I hear you. I mean, I, I figured – I wasn't sure. The way that you talked about him switching and evolving, maybe – he was the right guy, but no, there you go. There's the Italian in, in, in Michele. Uh, spot kick number two. Will Gio Reyna earn more caps than his father? His father has 112 caps, Claudio. No. No. Even though you play more nowadays, no. 
I think there's, for example, the next two years with the USMNT, that there's no World Cup qualifiers. It's going to be transitional years. I think we're going to uh, see less of the star players. Mm. And it's going to be two years, maybe one, two years, that we're going to see the next generation, more opportunities for young players to find that mix, right mix for 2026. So I think the Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Reina, those players are going to come less and play less for the national team. Interesting. Interesting. I, I also figured just because he's an injury concern all the also time, that. you're never sure. But that I like that that context that you gave. I hadn't thought of that. All right. Spot kick number three. If the union don't win MLS Cup, is it a failure? We You said it was for LAFC. Same no, question if, for the union. If they don't make MLS Cup, it will be a failure. If they lose MLS Cup, it won't be. I, I think for them, you can, you can have that leeway. But they have to make it to MLS, MLS Cup because that's they haven't done that. And I think getting to MLS Cup, it's it will be already a success. If they lose it, it's fine. I believe. But okay. I mean, uh, I'm I'm on the fence on my own question. I'm not sure. I kind of feel like I want to put the pressure on the union. I just well, to, I, to I'm, win I'm MLS saying. Cup. I mean. If if they don't make MLS Cup, it's a failure. Okay. But okay. as okay. if they make it, okay, yeah, it's fine. You guys can lose it. Don't worry. <laughs> Not right, with LFC. Right. <laughs> okay, spot kick number four. Straight up, who wins El Trafico and what's the score? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not yeah. watching, Michele has his hands in his <laughs> his face in his hands, basically. And I'm red like but a tomato. There you go. I got it. Oh him. my God. Um, I really want to say Galaxy, Felipe. I really want to say Galaxy. But my pick was LAFC against New York City FC for MLS Cup, so I cannot jump ship. I'm gonna say LAFC high scoring game. I will say like a three, two, four, Oof. three type of game. Okay. Okay. Big Oof. pick, big pick. Was, you got me shaking there. <laughs> He did turn red too. All right, final spot kick. Spot kick number five. Would you extend Phil Neville's contract with Inter Miami? Yes, he was Why? my. I voted for him for Coach of the Year. I know. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did I do that? Because Miami was the team that had more overhaul in the offseason. They made over forty roster changes. Um, when Alejandro Pozuelo came from Toronto, he said that he found in Miami the best locker room he's ever had as a professional, and that's on Phil Neville. Um, when he challenged Gonzalo Higuain publicly, Gonzalo Higuain accepted the challenge. That's true. And those things talk about a guy that has the locker room control, that players like him, players like to play with him. And when you see that Miami roster, that, that, that roster didn't have any business getting into the playoffs. And much so, they got to a this decision day being the, the eighth overall seed. If they won the last game against... against if they won the Montreal. last game against, against Montreal and the Red Bulls didn't win theirs, Miami would have hosted the first Which round of the playoffs. would have been wild. would have been wild. And I think that what all, all of what I said, I think, I mean, those things are are very impressive that the manager had everything under control on the locker room. Um, he tried multiple tactical systems. Um, they had, a, they had young players. They had players that you will say, this guy wouldn't be a starter on another MLS playoff caliber team. 
Um, they, he well, challenged again, Iguain. They, they have USL level defenders. And, and here's yeah. the thing against NYCFC, when they, they, they were trounced three, nothing the other night, that's when you saw all the sanctions, yeah. all the, you know, the lack of ability, the lack of depth. Yeah. That's when you realized where inter Miami is today. This team uh, had no business being on the play of Felipe. No business. Yeah. Okay. No business. Okay. And I think I so I know we like, and I understand that it's very it's very fair. Like voting for Sherondolo. I mean, the team won the supporter shield. Voting for Curtin, the team was incredible. Voting for Nancy, Montreal has been a huge surprise. But sometimes I think that the gap of I mean Curtin has a great has a great team. Montreal is a great team. Um Austin is a great team. You have Drusi, you have Fagundes, you have a really good team. Miami is roster. It's awful, <laughs> and, and 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 yeah, and and yeah. I, th- I think Phil Neville did a great job, and he deserves another shot. Yes. Okay. Here's yes, why. So you extend him. You give him. Do you give him like maybe like a three year contract? A long contract. I will give you like a two year okay. with an option of third. Okay. Yeah. Because here's the thing about Phil Neville. Yes, we know him and David Beckham are close. They're they're very public about that. My and, and I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, he I, I did not vote for him for coach of the year. He wasn't among my top three. But he's done, he's done a good job. He's he's gotten this team, you know, he, he overachieved. Yes. I just don't know if he's the big time coach that Inter Miami wants in the future. If they want to bring in, I mean, the top level player in the world like a Lionel Messi, which I, yep. I don't know if that's going to happen. But is Lionel Messi going to want to be coached by Gary, by, by Phil Neville? Is Phil Neville really the the, the figurehead that Inter Miami wants? I don't think. I think he'll have his time, and then they're going to decide, and they're going to bring in. A much bigger name, a much bigger and a more experienced international level coach. I, I I would agree with that, but I don't think that's happening in the next two years. Okay. So I believe that Phil Neville at least at least deserves next year. How about that? Okay. Give him next year. And if the team is not better, then you make a move. Because they're gonna have three DPs. They're gonna yeah. have a, a, a you know, the offseason is gonna be big. I hear you. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. You you've convinced me. Um Michele. Giannoni, Univision, 2DN, <laughs> sideline reporter, MLS insider, U.S. Men's National Team insider, a do-everything guy, always on the road, and a great, great guy to hang out with. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being on my show. Best of luck to you. I'll see you in Qatar. I, I say that. I, I can't believe I get to say that to a lot of my guests, but I will see you in Qatar. It, well, first, thank you for having me. You're you're one of my favorite people as a professional, as a writer, as a friend. And it's been great having, getting to know you for the last couple of years. Um, and it's, isn't it funny, right? It's like I'll, I'll, the next time I'll see you is in Qatar. What Crazy. world I would live in? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's happening. It's, it's, I'm, I'm very blessed to be in the position that I am. Um, and thank you so much for, for having me again. Like... Stuart Holden and then me. What is happening? Uh, see, I, I saw him. He was like wearing a suit. This Stu has all this swag. I didn't and... roast you like I roasted Stu. I didn't roast you. That's I should have. I should have. We roast each other in our group chat. We'll just keep it there. That's, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming. Man. That WhatsApp group. Hey. Dangerous. What, what stays in the what's what happens in the WhatsApp group stays in the WhatsApp group. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you, Felipe. I really appreciate it, my man.